When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, we are ready to go. Plenty of Super Bowl thoughts and Husker reaction to Scott Frost's press conference. His Zoom sit down a little earlier today. We'll get into the topic of criticism and uh, a nice uh, sit down with Sam McEwen and Bill Moose. Some comments by the Moose Man on 2021 for Nebraska football. You can get in. You're invited to do so. Numbers to dial up, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can find us and follow us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio, or at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. Simple question to start out. Where are you as a Nebraska fan right now? Are you waiting with a little less patience than a year ago, two years ago? Are you a Nebraska fan in the camp of it's going to happen, it's going to turn, Nebraska will get back to being respectable and and contending, where you kind of have unwavering faith? That does exist in some circles. Or are you a Nebraska fan right now that is just ready to put earmuffs up and just stop talking, start doing? And it's always interesting to kind of follow along, check in on the emails, hear the phone calls, and then see some of the the vocal response on Twitter or different social media platforms or or Facebook or message boards or the, the mailbag, right? So... There's a hundred different uh, ways to go about this thing, and it's it's interesting to to get the pulse because it it varies. And, and right now, if I were to give my diagnoses of Nebraska football and where the program's at, it's it's a situation where look, they're they're trying to to be what they want to be, and they're trying to be what you want them to be. And as a guy who's covered the program for a while. It's a lot more fun to cover a winning program than to see a program that has had drama and frustration and changes time after time after time, where you're in the same breath as Tennessee or Baylor from a change standpoint. And it's way better to see them, you know, Okay, what's what's it going to be to take that next step? With the next step being being a conference champion. That's twenty years. So, some of the comments from from Bill Moose today with with Sam McEwen, 
and it was on the topic of criticism in Nebraska fans. And, and Moose's take is like, look, the Nebraska fans, I'm paraphrasing, but they're awesome. He loves them. And everybody wants a winner. But the patience here is better, says Moose, than the, the fan base at Washington State because the Pirate struggled and stumbled. And then, bang, year four, they cranked out nine or ten wins, and they were in contention for the North. They beat Oregon. They beat USC. It really took off. It just took a while. And that's the biggest thing, man, is the patience part of things. Because you've been waiting for it to pop for a while. It's always kind of like that that next one. Next year's the year, and it's going to pop. But there's some positive feelings for 2021 for Bill Moose. When you look at what's coming back, with Nebraska, the, the fact that you have continuity with the coaching staff. That's the other part of it, too, is like there's some parts of this football program where you want to see different position groups doing better. You want to see the offense thrive more. The defense, I think you're okay with that you saw positive steps, but you still had the Illinois game. And I look at it, and I'm like, you know what, it, it can't and it won't happen overnight. The only quick fix involves bag men and uh, the Grove. Damn, how did you freeze go two and one against Alabama? Uh, just as a example. <laughs> it's always the old Miss SMU. How are they winning this soon? Versus like an Urban Meyer walking into an amazing setup. <laughs> okay. The thing here is what Bill Moose talked about with social media, with players running the, the Twitter and social social media never had, players never had to go through the, the challenges Scott's going through, and then this has ruffled some people, and some people have also nodded in agreement with trying to rise out of the ashes of losing football in a tarnished brand. We're in the position of being the hunter instead of the hunted. That's not easy for some of these players who never had to do that. So Nebraska was always the hunted. Nebraska's in position to try and go hunting and catch dinner. And when it comes to rising out of the ashes, I, I don't know just how bad it was. I know it was four and eight before Frost got here. I know it's been four and eight and in five and seven. And you're at 12 and 20. So I think the biggest frustration here with the criticism isn't that they're not playing Bama in the college football playoff. I think there was an expectation by by year three, based on how much talent and recruiting you have, that you'd, you'd maybe win the West or be in contention for the West, and and that's not been the case. Next Last year it was screwy, and that's not an excuse. That's a reality. Why is Nick Saban filled with joy for winning another championship while he passed the Bear, but the relief on his face with how his team navigated through this COVID season, I think is what wowed him. I think I've got to listen to the coaches and say, yeah, it was truly trying. And when they say they're close, they're the professionals. You can see and question. And I think that's the biggest frustration. Yeah. You're sick of losing to Iowa. Absolutely. You're sick of losing to Minnesota. Absolutely. You're tired of losing to Purdue. Yeah. Ohio State, Michigan, go go down the list, right? 
I think the way that Nebraska has lost is the biggest frustration. I think you could be – and Nebraska's got a, a slew of ball games that are one-possession games where you flip it around, then it's an entirely different conversation. Maybe they're 20 and 12 instead of 12 and 20. That comes into coaching. That comes into execution from the players. That comes into the group of dudes down at 10th and Vine that I think are working on absolutely being better. That is obvious, but you, you want to see the result. You're tired of talking about it. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised for how spring will go. And I think this team's on the verge of, of taking that step on field. But the way that they have beaten themselves, the way there's been turnovers, the way there's been penalties, that that is maddening for Nebraska fans because they're not used to seeing that. Uh, it was a different ailment with the Riley era. It was a different ailment with the Polini era. It was a different ailment with the Solich era. I mean, and, you, and your bar is, is Osborne. So, I guess I got to consider uh, who's who you're chasing. And, and the greatness that you're chasing. So if they can get things cleaned up, the wins will come because I think there's talent. I think they can get things figured out. But right now, yeah, I mean, the criticism's very real. Scott Frost today on the topic of criticism, and this was uh, asked by Sam McEwen. You're going to hear the full question. You're going to hear the answer about criticism because that's kind of what we're into here is a fan base – and, you know, if, if Bill Moose says you're trying to rise from the ashes, how does that grab you as a Nebraska fan? He's the athletic director. He's been around a lot of football programs. He has his coaches back. But is he, is he painting an all-too-dramatic picture of just where Nebraska football was at? And some of you say yes, some of you say no. I tend to believe the people I've bumped into and talked to that know football, that are a part of football, it sounds like you're making excuses. It sounds like you're poning the finger. But if, if you walked into a hellhole, it's okay to tell me that you walked into one. If it was really bad. And that's what you point back to that you're trying to, to fix and get better at. And that isn't an immediate quick fix. And I don't believe it's their go-to as an excuse. I think honestly that it's so far removed from what Polini had going here and what Riley did or didn't do, you got to fix it. You're getting paid to fix it. And to go back and explain why it's part of your progression problem, I think is, is honest versus the excuse side of things. But you got to be better as a coach and staff on the field where there's not penalties, there's not fumbles, there's not, just stuck in the mud slog of, of offensive production. Cause you've got some of your own talent in here with the talk of better culture. So kind of walk and talk the same way with that. And that'll be proven with results. But here again is, is frost on the topic of criticism. Here's the question. Here's the answer. Scott, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Oh, I talked to you about 10 days ago. Um, you know, there's just just what it's like now that you're the head coach of a program and responsible for a whole bunch of people and and how you process criticism from well, from us, I suppose. But 
from former teammates and knowing in your own heart that like you're responsible for a whole bunch of people now versus when you were a player, when you could control your own performance and that was about it. How has that changed? And and like, how do you kind of process some of the negativity that you hear now, knowing that you're responsible for a bunch of people, including 150 players? Okay. That was Sam McEwen's question. The topic of processing criticism because you had a major blow-up based on the transfers. You had a blow-up with not going bowling. Uh, You have mixed results on the field. You have situations where there's turnovers and penalties that prevent you from being a winner a lot of Saturdays. So there's criticism. It's out there. Social media, message boards, radio, TV, print, da-da-da-da-da. And you've got your athletic director earlier coming out and saying, look, dude, <laughs> trying to bring this thing back from the ashes. And some view that as excuse making versus a potential reality of just how far down for the count the program was when you inherited it. And is it a reason or is it an excuse? That's for you as a fan to decide And it was broached and asked because you've had recent criticism. Here's the topic of criticism. Here's the response. Sam, I don't even really know where you're going with that question. Uh, I'm not going to comment on any criticism. Um, You know, sometimes I just need to call you and ask you what's going on with some of the criticism. Um, That's the nature of this job. There's going to be people that agree with everything. If you're throwing the ball, you should be running it. If you're running it, you should be throwing it. Um, That's the nature of the job. Um, sometimes it get a little personal here, especially since it's my home state. Uh, but listen, we want every former player to be involved in this. We've called a bunch of them the last couple of weeks to make sure uh, they know that we want them around. And um, winning take care, takes care of almost all of that. So that's what we got our mind focused on. And I tell the guys not to pay any attention to the outside noise. And a lot of the articles um, are outside noise. Um, and there's criticisms that are unwarranted. Um, you know, we're looking to hire a player development guy, and somehow that got twisted into Ron Brown not being incapable or being too old. That's just dead wrong, and that was twisting words. Uh, anytime you're in front of the camera a lot, a lot of words can be twisted. Um, Ron's an unbelievably valuable part of our program. We just want to get him in the role where he can do the most good. Um, the rest of it is just noise and people in the way of us trying to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Okay, so the topic of noise and is you know crit- is criticism warranted? And twelve and twenty, yes, because you thought you'd be further along. And the criticism I I have again comes down to you're going to have turnovers in football, but Nebraska's had a lot of turnovers. Nebraska's offense, uh, the ru- the run, you know, it, yeah. What are you doing throwing the football when you could, right, run the ball guy? I, I get it. But the, the topic of, of outside noise and is the criticism warranted? In some instances, yeah, because you've had better talent and you've needed to be better at coaching. They're trying to, to correct that. They're trying to get better. I mean, this is not an, a, a, an infomercial nor an apology tour for the Nebraska football team. They shouldn't be 12 and 20. But the way the coach sounds and the way the athletic director sound, and you've heard some talk, I mean, you want the guy to talk, so he's talking. 
he, he, they both think that things are okay around the corner, and, and you've heard that before. But maybe in this instance, once you get through COVID and maybe you get things, some things nailed down with some experience and you get some more reps and you get some more development going, maybe it, it is about time to turn the corner. And what that corner is going to look like, how sharp of a corner is it? I mean, it's a sharp, sharp corner with 2021 schedule. But you've got talent and you have some experience. So clean yourself up in a lot of areas, in special teams, in offensive identity. You've seen the defense clean themselves up. So some of the criticisms warranted. That was the the juiciest nugget from the presser today. We'll hear more from Scott Frost on the quarterbacks, on the transfer portal, all that stuff coming up. Brandon Vogel next. Grant Wistrom one hour from now. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hail Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Gary Barnett coming up at 5. Grant Wistrom at 525. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. It's where you find him. His book, Dream Like a Champion with uh, John Cook. Vogue's interesting presser today. How are you? Do we have him? Brandon Vogel, do we have you? We will fix him. That's sweet. All right. So we'll uh, get to your emails in. We'll get to your emails. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We'll take your phone calls here in the next uh, half hour. 466-377-646-637-76-800-825-5865. So uh, the... <laughs> Spring can't get here soon enough. That'll happen shortly. Uh, I'm going to have the opportunity to uh, to really dive in and see where things go from a quarterback standpoint. But the, the topic of progress, and, and I kind of look at progress, you know it when you see it, or we set up. Vogues, do we have you? Yes, sir. Sorry about that. I don't. I mean, Damon Barr is the rum connoisseur. And I think a handle got spilled there. So thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So what I asked you and you didn't hear was interesting press conference, man. Um, and some of it was similar portal slash quarterback, big picture stuff. But the, the topic of criticism and you kind of pair the, the, the response from Sam McEwen's question towards Frost uh, about the noise and the criticism with an earlier conversation with Moose and the the topic of rising from the ashes. You know, you do mailbags every week. You get emails. We get calls and emails and responses. And I'm kind of in that gray area of, of is it a reason? The, the setup of the program that both the head coach and the, the AD walked into – or is it an excuse? Look, you're going into year four. Don't be twelve and twenty. It's an interesting dynamic, and I'm kind of I'm leaning more 
of, all right, there, there was a lot of things to fix when they walked in here, hence they both were hired to come in and fix, versus it's an excuse. You're getting all sorts of feedback from the fans here. They just want to see better play Saturdays. Yeah, and I think that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. I mean, I remember seeing a few things from former players um, around those transfers. You know, Wondell Robinson and, and Luke McCaffrey being the biggest ones, of course. Um, maybe questioning things a little bit, but like honestly, when I when I saw that Moose quote, like I didn't recall kind of widespread criticism. So maybe that's just my perception of it, what, whatever. Um, but you know, I, I think you're right. I, I think is it, is it excuse-making? Yes. And that's, and that's never going to play um, to a degree. But it, it, there's also a little bit of truth to that. I mean, my, honestly, with the way that my kind of statistical, like analytical, what can we prove here mind worked was when I saw that quote, the first thing I did was went and looked at like, a handful of power rankings that have Nebraska over a long stretch of time. And okay, granted, no ranking is perfect, but at least it gives you a baseline. And, and yeah, that, that 2017 team in terms of most power rankings I looked at was the second worst team at Nebraska in 25 or 30 years, the t- 2004, the Bill Callahan's first year being the only one that was lower in, in most of those. So yeah, you can make the argument of, yeah, this was like, this was even lower than anyone realized uh, when, when Scott Frost took over, and maybe that's true. But at the same point, like as you mentioned, you're 12 and 20, and and like it's like nobody cares about that. They, they want to see results. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where you're at. And they've been close. I mean, how many, what are we talking here with one score games? I mean, it's it's like quoted in in every. Summary of well, Nebraska lost another ball game, twenty six to twenty to Iowa, right? Or, or it's another yep. field goal ball game at the buzzer for Iowa, just as an example. Or it's a touchdown score against a forty eight scholarship Minnesota team. I mean, that's that's just that's the maddening part for the fuel of the criticism. It's not that they're just losing to Ohio State, right? Yep. It's it's that they're losing to what we now call as peers or want to be peers in the big 10 West. I mean, it's Illinois, it's Purdue. I mean, it's, it's squads like that, that there's a healthy bit of elitism with Nebraska football. And that's okay. Cause you grew up watching them murder the Kansases of the world. It's what you're used to. <laughs> and you, I'm yeah. sorry, but I still see Purdue and Illinois in that neighborhood. And, Dear God, you're getting beat by the teams you used to steal lunch money from. They just need to be more, as we have said, buttoned up and 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 cleaner. Otherwise, they can take care of a lot of these one score games. I think that's the part that ticks off the fans. Yeah, I think I think so. It it, it becomes an interesting question. Um, I, I was actually just talking with Derek Peterson for for a podcast about this, but with a you know, so we're into February now, a month, a full month in terms of the calendar removed from the 2020 calendar year, like when you think of the 2020 season, what's the first thing you think of? Is it the Illinois game? Is it the Minnesota game? Is it playing well against, you know, playing well enough to win against the Northwestern and 
playing definitely well enough to win against an Iowa team that I think was really good, that I think was better than the team that went into the, the Iowa team that went into the Big Ten championship game undefeated. Um, and, and the truth is, is that Nebraska is both of those things at the same time, and that's where you end up in this middle ground where it becomes a little bit maddening if you're a fan. It is, and that's just the perfect way to put it, both at the same time. Because, and you just got to you got to stop the, the the sway of one side to the other. Just sit in the middle, right? Sit in the middle, and and then drift towards towards the light. I guess uh, optimism is there uh, from Moose. Optimism's there for Frost, and they're going to be uh, patient and selective with uh, the two scholarships they have, be it JUCO or transfer portal or whatever. I think that's the right approach. What's your take on the quarterback room? How would you handle it if you're wearing a headset? And you, and you might be right now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I do have earbuds in. Um, but so new, new age headset, I guess. Uh, I, I think that's the right approach. You know, when you really start to look at this and kind of break it down in terms of a transfer quarterback specifically, it, it gets kind of tough because, okay, so what are you looking for there? Are you looking for a guy who has a year to go and who can come in and definitely be better than your current starter? Uh, okay, if you can get that and it makes your team better, great. You probably lose the current starter. Are you looking for somebody who can kind of bridge the gap between Smothers and and Martinez potentially if we view them as one-two on the on the depth chart at this point? You could try and find that. It's going to be pretty tough. It's kind of a – it's, it's the traditional progression for a quarterback that every coach would want. I'm not sure it exists anymore in, in today's college football. So it, it, it just becomes pretty narrow. Like, yeah, you could add another body to that room, but what are you giving up in terms of the guys you already have in the boat? And I think a lot of this just comes down to – where Logan Smothers is at, how ready they think he is to go. And if, if they feel good on that front, plus some of the guys, the other guys that are in that room, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to, to see Nebraska sit out the, the quarterback transfer derby. But having those, those two scholarships to use is still really valuable. Gives them some flexibility. And, and I think the, the adaptation of roster management is – something these guys can get their their handle on as well as just the fact that they really honestly thrived pretty well despite no visits right i mean the way they recruited this this covid 2020 to get their 2021 class locked in was extremely impressive vogue's going to switch to the super bowl here and uh, a heavy nebraska storyline with sue and levante and khalil and GM Light, uh, and also Tom Brady. I know you, you spent time uh, back east uh, with the Patriots in that region of the country as well. And then there's the Chiefs and their uh, PlayStation 5 offense. It's a party to watch. How are you uh, soaking in the Super Bowl? What's on the menu, and what do you think happens Sunday? Yeah, it's it's, a, it's an interesting one. So, uh Growing up on the the well the far west side of Nebraska, I didn't feel the kind of pull towards the Chiefs that I feel like a lot of people uh, 
further east did. So so that's not a factor to me. Like, if anything, like the local team out there was the Broncos, mm-hmm. which I also didn't go for. Um, thank God. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, Broncos fans. No, the, you, you can pile but, on the donks. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I, I'm a little bit in the same same kind of boat that, that Frost talked about today and that, you know, you look at this and you see Sue and David who you look back at the past decade, well, decade plus a little of Nebraska football, and, and those are the two best guys. Like, those were amazing football players. And, you know, for the most part, have, have done things the right way. Um, and I, I've been happy to, to read all of the stories about Levante David this week. Um, we've got some things in the works on, on that front for ourselves. But, like, he's just a guy who would be easy to be happy for. It would be so easy for him, plus Sue, that you can overlook, like, if you're just a neutral observer, the fact that, hey, does Tom Brady need another ring? No, he doesn't. But if it means that Levante and, and Sue could get one and Khalil Davis and, and some of the other guys you mentioned who are in these kind of coaching slash support staff roles, yeah, I'll take that. So I'll be, re- I'll be reading for the Bucks. Uh, in terms of menu, I think I'm going to go with a kind of Korean pulled pork. Um, so not going to be breaking the smoker out, but this is kind of the next best thing that you can do inside in the oven that still turns out pretty great. So that's the plan. I have 15 seconds. Explain the Korean flavor. How are you going to base that son of a gun? <laughs> well, it's actually super easy. So it's, it's a pretty famous recipe from David Chang of, of Momofuku. Uh, it's it's both um and you can look it up and really the only thing you have to do is start on Saturday because you're gonna cure this thing in sugar and salt let it sit overnight and then cook it for like six hours and and that's really about it but the results are fantastic. There's your winner for Sunday. Vogues will talk Saturday. Thanks for the time today. Thank you. Chime in four zero two. 466-ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com Just try me, try me Back to Hale Varsity Radio Back to it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt Damon Barr, big thanks to Brandon Vogel, Gary Barnett 20 minutes away We'll talk some Chiefs offense with him, the topic of criticism and We'll hear from Grant Wistrom. Some Super Bowl thoughts from uh, G-Dub. And uh, also uh, his take on the whole criticism thing as well. It's, it's a theme, I guess, today. I want Damon Barr's take on on this real quick. I told you my my thought. I say that I, I if the answer is, all right, we're trying to rise from the ashes and bring a tarnished brand back, and it's going to turn, you got to sell hope. It's your job as AD. And some of you see it as excuse-making, and enough's enough, go win ballgames, now it's year four. I, I, I can understand that point of view. But I look at it, and if some uh, people that are football coaches and players and guys that are really dialed into this thing say, dude, it was a bleep show, then I guess that, that may s- slow your progress and hamper your progress. Now, it's your job to fight through the mud. And there's been too many moments of slippage in that mud 
with the staff. Not that you can't get washed off and be all right, but you want to see some some results. And I think that's where a lot of the fan base is at. 466-377-6800-825-5865. Numbers get in on this with where you're at uh, when it comes to when you hear, I guess, some past blame. Uh, is it a valid point or is it just an excuse at this point right now to you as a Nebraska fan? And you've been frustrated that things haven't come along quicker. Damon, you're 21. You like uh, spiced and... Uh, uh, massive quantities of rum. So your your uh, your opinions high level for me. And you're a kid who grew up here, but your like era of success is ten and three, ten and four. Yeah, it's like the ceiling. That, that's the that's the best we ever did. And it, just year year one and year two, seeing how rough they were for Frost. My go to just thought was, all right, we were kind of left screwed after our last. Uh, administration coaching stint here and we're picking up the pieces but now moving into year four that's a whole cycle of classes barring the you know free year of eligibility but you've you've lost you have a slew of kids you have lost a slew of kids and you've gotten your own in there so that excuse is out of the window and i feel like if there if that was an excuse time is running out on it Mm -hmm. and if it was valid then by now, or at least by next year, I expect to see the rise from that, as Moose called for, from From the the ashes. ashes. We all knew the kid who had, either in shop class, made the ashtray, and his mother still uses, or used his car as an ashtray. It wasn't pleasant. But rising up from the ashes, I mean, you aren't winless, but the level of being able to compete is night and day. I'll, I'll say that. There's still some hiccups along the way. So here is Scott Frost uh, a little bit earlier today. And quarterback is so key. And I'm interested in, in his take on Logan Smothers. What's the outlook for Logan? And what do you have behind Adrian? Yeah, I'm excited by what I've seen so far. Logan's as good an athlete as, as all those other guys in, in the quarterback room. Um, I think what I was really been impressed with so far is just his savvy and uh, ability to process information quick and make good decisions. Uh, he's been really accurate. Mario's, Mario's been working with him on on throwing motion to make that a little more consistent and efficient and and powerful. And I've seen Mario do wonderful things with guys from that standpoint. Uh, so I I got higher hopes uh, right now than I did when we recruited Logan, and uh, he's going to get his share of reps this spring. So anxious to see where he is. Last thought on on the criticism, and, you know, we're all anxious to see Logan Smothers. Can he get developed? Really talented kid out of Alabama, so it's a nice option to have at quarterback. What can he do in the Big Ten level when it's his time, when it's his turn? The other part of this with, with criticism is and we all either grow thicker skin or we just bleed out. And when it comes to criticism with your fan base or your listeners or whatever, you just kind of kind of roll with the punches on it. And that, that takes time, and you never like it. You never get used to it. But I just wonder, when it comes to noise, and I know that would just absolutely piss off the Polini staff, they, they would listen and, and use it as fuel. 
And, you know, how much attention are you being paid or are you paying, uh, how much attention are you paying to it as, as a head coach versus doing your job and getting better for Saturdays? And sometimes it, yeah, it can get really, really personal, but for the most part, it's some fair questions and you can have a response. And Scott Frost, the type of guy that'll have plenty of response, especially if and when they get things turned around. He isn't going to forget, and he'll remind you that, yeah, you questioned me. That may drive him to to be better, but that's just part of it is the criticism. And do you have rabbit ears? Are you hanging on every word spoken, or are you checking in on message boards? Are you... Reading every article, even though you're saying, dudes, don't don't read this. Don't don't let the, the outside noise influence you or tear you down. But if you're doing it yourself, and I don't know how much he's reading it. I just know that we had the response earlier in the show between him and Sam McEwen about criticism. And yeah, it's it's petty and, and maybe some of it's off the mark. Some of it might be on point. And some of it might be personal, but you you just got to have thick skin with it. And he knows that better than anybody because it. I mean, there's not an arrow that wasn't shot at him in 1996. And he came back better for it in 97, but he's never forgotten. Last thought here. Let's talk about the transfer portal. Do we have time for it? Maybe so. Cut nine. Yeah, yeah, Frost was asked from a broad brush standpoint about the portal. No, and honestly, it's a maybe. It's a little hypocritical of me to say anything. I transferred. Uh, sometimes you, you pick someplace and it isn't the right fit and you need to go someplace. And I think every situation is unique. I, I would I would say if you want to paint with broad brushes that we probably live in, a, in an era where adults and kids alike uh, have shorter attention spans and want uh, instant gratification and want everything to work right away. It doesn't always work immediately. And sometimes the best thing you can do is put your head down and work harder and make it work. And a lot of a lot of kids are doing that at every school around the country. Some others don't make that decision, and they have to do what's best for them. Uh, best we can do is try to adapt to all these things. We'll wind down this first hour. Tale Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thoughts uh, from Gary Barnett. Excited to talk to Barney coming up. We'll... Check in with Grant Wistrom in the act of being cool with Grant Wistrom and best bets. Danny Burke, Friday Chicago's with us next hour. Tale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Damon Barr, and uh, get to some of your emails coming up. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So, Damon, have you ever jumped out of a barber chair mid-cut because your barber had COVID? I can't say I've been in such a situation. Is there a, is there a bad haircut experience? Ooh, yes. I, I've had a, a multitude of bad haircuts. Would you say it leaned towards the bowl cut? It, it leaned toward getting uh, my hair shaved in the garage when I was a little kid. So, <laughs> really, to, to fix it, yeah, getting the, oh. the close buzz to just reset it. See, just on the topic of haircuts, 
there was uh, an era and all the pictures have been burned. <laughs> uh, I, I had the Bosworth haircut with the lines in the side. Total loser. My fault. Uh, there was a senior picture photo of a half-attempted bowl cut that I let a buddy do in the in said garage. And then there's the time mom cut my ear accidentally, we think, when she was uh, doing some home beautician work on me. But there was no COVID at the time. There was no flown-in barber that, eh, go ahead and start cutting. Oh, wait a minute. Your COVID test is pending. This thing could have been disastrous. And it is already for the backup center and another player. Now, they can test Sunday morning and be cleared to go. So, goody, goody. But, man, that was that was dangerous. So, did, did the folks take you to the barbershop and did the $5 haircut person screw your hair up and then mom and dad had to fix it? Uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, that, that did happen at least once or twice where the hair on the right side was about, the bangs were about three inches longer than on the left. But I think it was mostly just my dad going, eh, we don't need to take you in. We'll just fix you up in the garage. We never had the, the mullet at the Schmidt household, but there, there was God, there was a little Joe Dirt action by my brother. And it wasn't the mullet, but it was kind of the like uh, the third cousin of the mullet, the, the duck tail. What's that called? The rat tail? Yes. Yeah, right. And it wasn't ultra long, but I remember when he had it, and he was like five. And, we, you know, if it would have been up to me, we would have thrown him in a, in a barber's chair and a barber that had COVID to, to fix that, that tail. And it wasn't long, didn't need to be watered, but, man, it was it was bad. Did you have the, the rat tail era? I've, I've never gone through a sort of a crazy haircut like that. I, I would just spend a year not cutting my hair until I got to the to the where I'm flipping it out of my eyes all the time when I was a kid and get it all chopped off and wait a year and start over. Yeah, Junior needs to be held down and, and his head shaved because he's he's at that point now where he's always flipping his head and he looks like he's got some sort of nervous tick. And and he's wearing a headband and he's you know, is, let's just be honest. If you're going to wear a headband on the basketball court, you better be shooting 12 or 15. <laughs> and you're not. You're that guy. So there we go. We, we talked barbershops and near disaster for the Super Bowl. Gary Barnett's on the way. Thankfully, we'll talk with Barney here. Grant Wistrom. Going to want to hear Grant. And... Um, Maybe he's, his feelings have changed towards Tom Brady. Maybe they haven't. We'll find out together. Danny Burke. We're talking Burke's best bets and prop bets. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, and we'll check in with Danny Burke uh, from Burke's Best Bets, some Super Bowl prop bets to discuss. 
Grant Wistrom in about a half hour. We welcome in Hall of Fame coach with Northwestern and Colorado, Gary Barnett with us, head of the Super Bowl. Coach, how are we doing today? Doing fine, Chris. Got a nice day working down here in Scottsdale, so you're missing out. Uh, I'm counting down 20 days from today, my friend. <laughs> I will be in the sunshine and losing golf balls. Uh, there we go. We always get into some football and some food, and the Super Bowl's an exciting time, and I know your connection with uh, Coach B. Enemy is really, really awesome. I, I'm interested to, to get your thoughts, though, on on a slew of topics. But first and foremost, have you gone to a Super Bowl? I have not gone to a Super Bowl. I've, I had an opportunity way back and turned it, decided not to do it at the last minute. Actually, Coach McCartney called a, a recruiting meeting, and so I couldn't go. But uh, uh, I have not been to one, and everybody that goes, you know, loves going. But uh, you know, I I like you know, I'm, those big crowds are a little bit too much for me. I get it. How would the conversation have gone? to Coach Mack if you would have wanted to go to the Super Bowl and skip the meeting? Well, it, it was going to be a one-way conversation. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just I, – it wasn't one I was going to be able to, to win, so I might as well not fight it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, <laughs> as, as you look at this Chiefs offense in Mahomes, and I want to start there is, is the role they're on – with uh, the weaponry and, and Kelsey and, and Hill and, and of course, uh, the the running game they have. But just, did you think the fit with Mahomes at quarterback? Because, I mean, you get to watch a lot of Big 12 and, and Pac-12 football. And did you think the, 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 the match, the marriage, was going to be as high, high level as it's become with, with Mahomes going to the read slash be enemy system? No, I, I didn't see that. Um, you know, I, he was, in my mind, another Texas Tech quarterback that was coming out and was a part of a system that completes a lot of short balls. And uh, and so I just – and I didn't know that much about him, but I just figured he was another guy coming out of that system, none of which have made it mm-hmm. and uh, or made it to a real high level. But, um, you know, a year – Sitting uh, and maturing under under Smith and Andy, uh, I made a huge difference, I think, for him. And then coming on the scene the way he did, and once you start watching that guy make plays, you know you realize there's no one else like him out there. And, and really, the Chiefs have you know there's no one like Terry Kill, mm-hmm. and there's no one like. Uh, Kelsey. I mean, they've got three players that that really there's no one like. And and you know this running back may end up being that way before it's all over. He's not now, but he may. So I mean, they've got three players on offense that nobody else has. And you know it just makes them such an offensive threat that it's it's hard to believe anybody could even beat them. Truthfully, they have to have a bad day and beat themselves in order to lose. That's very fair. And when you look at their system, kind of take us through what is unique when they blend that talent with their philosophy and and how how it works. I mean, what what can you put into words what what Reed and B enemy see with their 
their their puzzle pieces or their chess pieces per se to just wear out everybody? I mean, how are they so well, great you know, at what re- they do? It, it's really um, it, it isn't too complicated. It's, it's basically the West Coast offense okay. with with all the wrinkles that have come into football in the last um, you know five or six years. And I say West Coast. West Coast is a is a Ball control. I mean, it's a run it, um, play action, and uh, crossing routes, passes that you uh, complete and give the receiver a chance to run for the first down. Um, there, it's it, it, it's it's along those lines out of that family. But now you start putting puzzle pieces in there. Um, like the quarterback who can change his arm angle at any time on any throw. Um, he can run. He makes people miss. Um, he can keep a play alive. Um, you know, it's much like uh, when, when the 49ers were, were able to get Young to do all the things that he could do. Okay. He made a difference in the West Coast offense. Well, this guy's made a difference in in whatever you want to call this offense, but it's a, it's a product of the West Coast. And then you put Kelsey. Kelsey's the missing piece. He's the one that is so hard to match up with because he can go deep. He can run. He can run any kind of route. Um, he's he's just something. He's just something else. And he's and really he's further along now than Gronk because Gronk's getting old and mm-hmm. Gronk doesn't have really the shake that Kelsey has and. So uh, that piece of the puzzle, the arm ch- arm angle change with the quarterback on any throw at any time, no matter the situation, and you throw in uh, Hill, uh, got, nobody can cover the guy, um, you know, and so it's uh, they've just they've got it going. They do, and you look at the the tight ends, and and you were pretty tight end heavy when you were coaching. Right. I mean that's that's just it. You get a tight end, and that's that's your ultimate matchup nightmare for a defense, isn't it? And you see it kind of in college football today with everyone trying to go get two or three tight ends to to get the big kid that can run. Well, it's a piece that's been missing for about ten years, and okay. now those teams that are introducing the tight end back in their offense, all of a sudden now they have a weapon that defenses haven't had to cover. You know, I know just watching Colorado as closely as I have, whenever we play a team that's got a great tight end, we struggle. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not because he's a great player. It's just because at the position, it's a position that that uh, they can't match up with and defenses can't match up with. So, uh, and, and I think you've seen in the last two or three years teams attempting to develop tight ends and to use tight ends more. And you see it on the college level, too, but also in the NFL. Gary Barnett's with us a few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, I want to get into a topic and get your thoughts on on criticism and, and how you deal with it as a head coach. And it, it's been a topic today because Scott Frost had a, a Zoom meeting and he was asked about handling criticism, and, and there's there's just a, a different uh, level of criticism here in Nebraska because of how passionate the fan base is, and they wanted to get Correct. back they wanted to get back to a winning way yesterday, right? So 
uh, interested in how you rolled with that part of your career, part of the job as head coach, when you felt like, okay, this is somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about or this is too personal. How did you deal with that as, as a guy in Chicago slash Northwestern and a guy in Colorado? Well, first of all, to be a head coach, you have to have a passion for all the things that are not fun. Uh, and one of those is the criticism that you get uh, and receive from sitting in that chair. You have to have a passion for all that stuff, and if you don't, it'll eat you alive. So the first thing you do is when you start the morning is you say, okay, whatever it is, bring it on, and I'm going to embellish it, and I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to solve it. And if you can't do that, you can't really be a head coach in this level successfully for, for a long period of time because it just eats at your stomach. So... For me, that's the way I approach it. It's part of my it's part of my job, and it's better be part of the job I really like, because if I don't, you know, I'm going to be a I'm going to be an angry guy all the time, or, or a sour guy, and you just you don't want to be that way. You're in control, and that's how it should be. So, and that's always my advice to anybody, any young guy who's about to get his head first head coaching job is you have to embrace all those things that you don't like. And um, the fo- 2 o'clock in the morning phone calls, the problems that come with parents, if those things bother you, then you're going to be a bothered guy for a long time. You know, I remember we had a guy uh, when we were, I was at Northwestern, and uh, you know Sid from Minneapolis mm-hmm. and Hartman, yeah. So Sid Hartman put an article out that, that basically said we had changed our academic standards, and as a result, that's, a, that's the way we're winning at Northwestern. Now, I don't know if that's a criticism or meant to be a criticism, but I took it that way. Mm. And um, so I just called him out in, a, in the press conference. And uh, I didn't know who he was, but I, I called him out. And I said, well, I have some information. And I knew going in that I was going to do this. So I had information to show him the ACT scores of our players to explain to him, you know, that criticism you made is not fair. And I had a tendency every once in a while to, to call a guy out when he put out inaccurate information. And fair or unfair, that didn't have anything to do with it. If it was inaccurate, then I had a had something that I could say. But if it was just something he felt or something he wanted to say, then that's just, that's his job. And it's my job to, to let it bounce off. And that's pretty much Chris, what I hoped I did through my career. Did you have to grow with it or were you able from, from moment one to, to get up and embrace it all? Um, well, I, I was, Lucky and unlucky in that I was, other than the eight years I was under Coach McCartney, I was a head coach my entire career. I was a head coach in high school, head coach in small college. I was a head coach uh, at at two different major universities. So um, I I think I grew with it, you know. I mean, I learned from the very first head coaching position the things that that you've got to learn to like and learn to uh, embrace because if you don't, you're a miserable guy. 
So I, I sort of grew up with it. I didn't just automatically have it, no. Did you pay attention to the noise, or did the noise just find its way to you? Or, I mean, how, I guess, how were you alerted to it? Uh, well, um, that's interesting because I, I tried not to pay a whole lot of attention mm-hmm. to it, but I always had somebody on the staff who, who would sure. and would let me know what's being done and what's being said. Um, and then I either dismissed it or if it was something like what happened to us at Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, then, then I took a stand. So you, you know, what's out there. It's a fan. They, they really sort of have a right. What they usually criticize things that they don't really understand or know. And so I felt it was my job that if I would explain it to them, maybe they would, maybe they would see it differently. But I couldn't spend a whole lot of time doing it. But I would do it any time that I felt like it needed to be done or could be done. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, let's get into Sunday. Uh, menu first. Have you, got, have you narrowed the menu down? Beside wings, is it just wings? No, i got to have shrimp. i got to have some <laughs> boiled shrimp. So I'm going to have wings and boiled shrimp on, on – uh, and maybe some, maybe I'm, I just stopped by the store and got some Italian sausage. Mm. I may throw that on the grill as well. So that's, that's sort of it. Not a lot of green stuff on my side. Mary will have a lot on her side, but I'm not going to have a lot on mine. Maybe some tomato basil soup, which I just love. Okay. So are you going hot Italian sausage or sweet? Uh, I'm going, uh, it's mild. Gotcha. It's mild. So it's not hot, but it's mild. So you've got the menu set up. That's big. And I need to know what happens here. I think the Chiefs are still favored by three, three and a half points. I think the over-unders around 54 to 58, somewhere around there. What happens Sunday? What do you think? Um, I... I, would, I can't bet against the Chiefs. One, I can't bet against Eric and uh, the enemy. And, and secondly, I can't, I can't uh, bet against those, those three goats that play for them, you know, those three guys that are better than anybody else at their position. I can't bet against that skill. So uh, I, I, I really am eager to watch this game. I think it's just a titillating matchup in so many ways. And uh, I hope I hope it plays out like it has the capacity to play out. Man, this could be one for the ages. You've got Brady at 43 years young. That's man, he's looking great, and he's got some talent around him. There's a big uh, Nebraska contingent on the Tampa side with Levante and Sue and Khalil. So there's a lot of Nebraska fans that love the Chiefs, but they're kind of pulling for Sue and company and maybe get a ring. So we'll see, but. Enjoy the uh, the Italian sausage and the wings and the tomato basil soup, and we'll get caught up again. It was fun to chat today. Thanks for your time, Coach. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Let's enjoy a great Super Bowl. How That's right. That, bud? That'd be good. Take care. All right. See ya. Talk to you. All right. Bye-bye. There he is. Gary Barnett with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, yeah, he can't go uh, go against his guy. Recruited him, Eric B. Enemy. Grant Wistrom. Oscar Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ. Grant Wistrom, number 98, up next on Hale Varsity.
And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Grant Wistrom is with us. Are you wearing your Super Bowl ring right now? No. I, I, the only time I wear that thing is when I'm in Las Vegas trying to act like a big deal or I'm going and talking to a group of kids. Okay. And trying to prove to them that I was cool at one point in my life. But other than that, uh, that thing doesn't see the light of the day. How much effort is put in trying to be cool for you? Uh, it does not come easily to me. Um, and I fail every time I try to do it, so I just gave up on it, quite honestly. Okay, so what's what's the Vegas vibe? I have never been. Someday I'll go. If Grant Wistrom's going to Vegas, I mean, what's what's the itinerary? Because, you know, Vegas and Super Bowl go hand in hand. <laughs> well, the last three times I've been to Vegas were, has been for CrossFit seminars. Uh, so those aren't near as fun. And I haven't been in a long time, but that was about the last time I did wear my ring was uh, when we went out there with a group of guys and a long line to get in a club and just actually brought that with me for that exact reason to flash that a little bit and cut a line. And it worked, man. That is impressive. Uh, Grant Wistrom, get a Super Bowl ring and you can get into the club quicker. Uh, That's advice. I like it. (laughs) So this weekend, uh, who are you rooting for? Do you care? Yeah, I'm a Chiefs fan now, Schmitty. Uh, I I understand the Rams had to leave Missouri. There was more money in in Los Angeles and St. Louis. I get that. But the way they played that uh, soured me a lot. So I'm a Chiefs fan now, So and I'm definitely not a Tom Brady fan, although I respect him, not a fan. So, uh, But I love the Chiefs. They remind me so much of the greatest show on turf, just watching you know, the enemy pull the strings like Mike March used to do with all of his weapons and how he utilizes. He just puts people in positions to excel. And whether that's creating mismatches with movement or alignment, things like that, just the offense is so fun to watch. And the defense has played well enough to win until last week, um, which I thought they looked outstanding uh, in their last game. But uh, there's so much fun to watch. And like I said, it reminds me a lot of us when we were making our Super Bowl run. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. At what point did the the light go on for you with this with with your Rams team? Not only can we get there, but we can we can win it. I mean, you you've gone three times in your career. How was that first run for you? So different back against Tennessee. After that first run, it was kind of not expected because you don't ever expect to be able to get back to the Super Bowl. You, you do everything you can to prepare yourself to do it, but there's just so many variables that come into play. But you know, it was. The expectation was there a little bit more. You know, we had the same team, you know, essentially Mm -hmm. from the first one to the second one there. And so, but that first one was just such an unknown. You know, we're coming off a 4-12 and year. The Rams were the losingest team, you know, in the previous decade of the NFL. And, you know, we're we're starting out in preseason. We're killing it. And then Trent Green goes down, you know, and you think, oh, here we go again. (laughs) You know, the Rams are snake bit. And then you got, you know, Kurt Warner coming out of nowhere. It was just exciting because it was all unexpected. And just the dominance that we had, just people didn't anticipate it coming. So it was just so much fun because it was, you were just doing something every day that was new. Whether, you know, whether it was the first win, the second win, the third win, you know, we'd never been on a winning streak like that before. So to be able to do that and just it being new and fresh, and we were such a young football team, too, at that time. That it, I mean, we played hard on the field, 
and what was awesome is we all went out as a team afterward, and we played hard off the field too. And it was just a, a, a great group of guys to go to work with every day who were just all in. You know, everybody sold out. There wasn't one guy on that team. You're just – there was one. But <laughs> other than that, you know, 52 other guys on that team that you didn't question at all of, of their commitment to what we were all trying to do. So, Grant, who was the one guy that was kind of the uh, the black sheep? Uh-oh. That's not happening. We're not going to name names in here. That's fine. I but, just thought uh, I'd ask. That's so the, the chemistry is so you, John Field. But as far as playing hard off the field, man, what was the fun you guys had have? And Vermeil was a guy that, and is a guy that you guys love playing for. Yeah, and, and I still, I mean, I, I still love Coach Vermeil, mm-hmm. and you know, we still talk, and he still passes through, you know, Springfield where I live every now and then. We go out to dinner, and I get phone calls and texts from him, and. I genuinely love the man, and uh, and I know that he loves me. There's not a doubt in my mind. I've been really, really lucky about the coaches I've been around through my entire career, from high school through the NFL. I've been around quality human beings and quality coaches, and I feel very fortunate uh, because of that. You know, it wasn't one group of guys going here, one group of guys going there. It was we all went out together. I mean, it wasn't anywhere cool or fancy, but we would go in and we'd Ended up always ended up at Harpo's in West County in St. Louis, and we would just take over the bar, and it was awesome. And everybody knew we were in there on Sunday nights after games, and the fans would show back out up out there. We'd hang out and party with the fans, and it it was just an an incredible year, all of it, the whole thing. Grant Wistrom remembering his Super Bowl times with Hale Varsity Radio. It is Super Bowl week. Grant, when it comes to Brady, are, are you you're a guy that's super in shape, super fit? He's he's still doing his thing at forty three, and he wants to play beyond forty five. And I know that uh, that loss to Tom Brady. You're not a guy who takes losing well. You're not used to it, and I get that. But God, that's incredible. He's doing what he's still doing, and and for him to do it in Tampa with a lot of weapons, mind you. But it's hard to do when you kind of transition, I would assume, going from uh, one team, that New England set up, to, to Tampa. But, man, it looks like it's worked out for him. You don't have to like him, man, but you got to respect him. It's unreal what he's done, you know, taking that franchise. And you're right, you know, he does have a lot of weapons, but it's a new system. But, man, when you get a guy like Tom Brady coming to your team, you know, you've been to Tampa. Like, think about Mike Evans. You know, he's yeah. catching passes from Jameis Winston. And all of a sudden, he hears Tom Brady's coming to his team. I, I can't imagine what that does to your locker room. You know, just like, holy cow, like, we are legitimately, by signing this one guy, we've gone from maybe competing for a conference to we've got a shot at the Super Bowl. Mm. And just what that does to, you know, not only you, how you perform on the field, but w- what kind of energy and enthusiasm that adds to your off-season workouts, which builds into your, your preseason, which builds into the season. So these guys have been riding a high for a while. I think once they, you know, Tom signed this contract or signed the deal to be on there, they traded for him, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they're just legitimate, you know, became an instantaneous Super Bowl contender. And it's all because of him. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, gave probably way too much credit to Bill Belichick and say, oh, you know, it's just a product of the system. But he's proven otherwise that, you know, he can go anywhere and do it. Grant, what do you believe with your New England matchup? Do you think you guys got spied on? Probably. But, you know, I, and I've always kind of just, my stance has been if we're dumb enough 
<laughs> to run plays that could influence the outcome of the game yeah. in an unsecure facility, then we're stupid and I would have done the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, you can't tell me if our defensive coordinator hadn't been in the dome when they were running plays, they wouldn't have been watching. So, it, you know, if we did something that impacted the outcome of the game, it's our fault, not theirs. Yeah. So I got to ask you about the, the topic of criticism and your reaction to some of the social media criticism that's out there with the Nebraska program specifically, be it the, the transfers that are going on. Some, uh, some shots at Scott Frost, uh, just the program in general. You've been a guy who's supported the, the program your entire career, and uh, you've, you, know, you, you aren't super outspoken about it when things are bad, but you'll come back and help when, when you're asked to. So what's your take on, on the climate around Nebraska football right now? You know, I, I'm, I still think Scott's the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I still think his whole staff, is the staff that we need there. I, I think, you know, Coach Shenander is the right guy calling, the, you know, the defensive plays. And it, you know, I thought we'd be further along than we are right now, but I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. No. You know, I don't like the transfer portal. I don't think it gives a coach a chance to build any sort of continuity. And, and I understand that, you know, I see both sides of the portal where – you know, hey, if I don't like my job, it's my right to go find a job elsewhere. So I understand that for the kids. But at the same time, man, I got to think if I had a kid that was somewhere playing college football and he gave his word that he was going to be at this place for four years as a parent, I would have a really hard time watching my kid enter the portal. Just I'm like, no, that's not how we do things. We're going to stick around here and we're going to earn it. But, you know, kids got to do what's right for them and that's just the new era that we live in so they've got to find a way to adapt and adjust to it and hopefully you know the wins when they start coming i think kids will be less apt to leave you know obviously we lost a couple players this year that are pretty crushing to lose but that opens up scholarships for kids that want to be here want to be there playing for the university that take pride in that uniform and they're going to go out there and sell out for the university every single Saturday. Grant, was there a time that you got homesick or thought about leaving? Never. Never. And there were times where I was frustrated on the field, like my freshman year. You know, I I was a freshman. The guy ahead of me was a senior. I probably played more, you know, it's not as much or more snaps than he did, but I never started. I wanted more snaps, but I wasn't going to leave. I would never quit. And I knew that my time was coming, so I just sat there and I paid my dues, and I think I'm a better person for it. You know, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the older guys that were better than me and the guys that were leading the way. And I, there were times where, yeah, it would have been nice to go home. It might have been I could have gone somewhere and started right away maybe, but, man, I wouldn't have ever had the career that I had. I wouldn't have had the life that I have now. And, you know, and it all goes back to just – paying your dues and like sometimes you got to wait for it it's not always going to come right away but when you earn it it's that much sweeter when you get it grant who'd you lean on through that freshman year uh you know what i hung out with uh, actually aaron graham quite a bit um and then uh after that um just guys that you know the freshmen i mm-hmm. you know i didn't get to hang out with them a lot because i was it was like myself and octavius mcfarland were the only freshmen playing that year so there wasn't a lot of freshmen in the locker room, but, you know, the older guys between, like, Christian, Jason Pesterfield, Terry Keneally, uh, you know, Dante Jones, Troy Dumas, all those guys were guys that I looked up to 
guys are out there busting their butt every day, um, who went to work every day and, and paid, you know, they paid their dues before I got there, so I'm no better than they are. I, if they did it, I can do it too. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Grant, we'll get you out of here on this. Need a prediction here. I know you're, you're pulling for KC. Give me a score. 35-24, Kansas City. That's a cover. All right. Grant yeah. Wistrom, <laughs> at Grant Wistrom on Twitter. Give me a financial tip while we got you. Financial, well, well what we just did, I wasn't happy about it, but it was a financially the smart thing to do. <laughs> we, sold, uh, we sold our lake home and paid off all of our rentals, so we're going to be debt-free in 2021. So Ooh. that's my financial tip for you this year, Smitty, is uh, get debt-free, man, if you can. All right, I will work on acquiring a lake home someday <laughs> to, to sell. So you can sell it. Uh, Grant, you take care, man. This was fun. Thank you. Anytime, Smitty. Take care, man. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago, is in. Rush Hour is his show with Vizen Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny Burke, it is Super Bowl weekend. How are you? Schmitty, it's, it's bittersweet, you know? I mean, we're excited for this game and all the different bets that we have along with it, but at the same time after this, we got to wait, you know, however many months till the next football action. So I guess at least you got some spring ball to look forward to. But, uh, yeah, I guess bittersweet's the right way to put it. Well, I can't wait for this. you got the Nebraska connection with Sue and Levante and Khalil. you got Brady and, and Bruce Arians and then Mahomes and Tariq and Big Red Andy Reid, man. I mean, the storylines are beautiful, and I, I hope it's going to be great. And I know in the first meeting you had a nuke dropped by Kansas City and Tariq Hill. And, man, I wonder if uh, if, if Tampa's going to be they better be, but Tampa needs to be better out of the gate. Uh, what are some prop bets? Where are you narrowing your, your focus and expertise on here, Danny, with this game? How are you going to make some money this weekend? Yeah, so, you know, my philosophy when it comes to prop bets, Schmitty, and it's not that I do this all the time, but especially when it comes to prop bets, I personally am willing to lay a little bit more if I feel like I have enough conviction on a bet or enough of an advantage uh, compared to the book. So a couple of these bets that I do have, I did lay a decent amount, you know, more so than usual, but I do think they're good spots for this game. Now, let's start with the quarterbacks, um, Mahomes and Brady. So when it comes down to them, I, I usually like to look at the total pass completions between quarterbacks. So just looking at Brady and Mahomes on that bad river, so we go through with the show, Brady's at 24.5, Mahomes is at 28.5. So I look at those and I go, Okay, I mean, I get it. I think they're set pretty accurately, but I don't have enough confidence in one or the other. But what I do have enough confidence in is the player to complete the most passes. Now, in that regard, I already just told you that Mahomes is expected to be four points higher, four completion higher because he's at 28.5, Brady's at 24.5. So Mahomes is minus 167 to complete more passes than Brady. If you wanted to take Brady, it's plus 133. But I laid the minus 167 with Patrick Mahomes. Now, Mahomes is already averaging about 26 pass completions per game. On the first score round against the Bucks, he threw 37 pass completions on 49 pass attempts. 
the Bucks themselves already allow about 26.5 per game. And, you know, you and I discussed this the other week when Aaron Rodgers was going up against Tampa Bay. I took his pass completions over 24.5. He ended up with, like, 31 or something right around that because the Bucks' defense is the best at stopping the run. And we talked about Tampa Bay, and while their defense still overall and in the secondary is good, there's some gaps in the coverage there, and they allow these passes to be completed no matter who it's going to be too. So even if it's going to be little dink and dunks, check downs, whatever it may be, I think it's going to be all pass, pass, pass from this Chiefs team. That's why you see the props for the running back so low as well. So the fact that it's only about minus 167 instead of, you know, closer to 180 to $2, I think that's good value relatively, and I could definitely see Mahomes completing more passes. So I'd say that. And also you just factor in really quick that the Chiefs had the 31st-ranked DVOA run defense, and in my opinion, if you're the Bucks and you've got to win this game, my strategy would be trying to establish the run as much as possible to control the tempo and keep the ball out of the hands of the best player in the National Football League, in my opinion, Patrick Mahomes. So uh, that would be my philosophy. So I like Patrick Mahomes minus 167.5 more passes completed. Another one I did was Leonard Fournette, more receiving yards than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Leonard Fournette's kind of been that go-to guy for Tom Brady recently when it comes to those who think and dunks that we just talked about. And, you know, a lot of times he's making it harder on himself and it's kind of struggling to catch him. But he is averaging 22 per game in terms of receiving yards. He gets about three catches on four targets. The Chiefs allow running backs about six catches on 50 receiving yards per game. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire himself, he averages just about 21, only gets about two-and-a-half receptions. The Bucks do allow more receptions to running backs, but less receiving yards. 40 to be exact, so about 10 less. And we saw him get his action against the Bills finally this postseason. And in that game, he only had one catch on two targets for no yards. Now, that's not to say the same is going to happen again, but it seems like they're going to Williams a little bit more so. Um, obviously, when he wasn't playing against the Browns, but even against the Bills, CEH was kind of just, it, it was different with his production. Now, maybe it's Maybe it's going to be altered after two weeks of him getting a little bit more healthy and back in the mix. But I think it's just a little bit too much to trust and, and hope for if you're betting on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I like Leonard from that here, especially to the fact that you factor in that Kansas City secondary is solid, and they have so many different receivers to worry about. So there couldn't be a lot of small pass opportunities to dump it off to Leonard from that. So minus 152. Um, is who I like for Leonard Fournette to have the most receiving yards compared to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And then finally, the other one that I had, I like Cameron Brate over his receiving yards at 29.5. Now, he's averaging just 27 per game. But the first go-around against Casey, he had four catches, 34 yards, and he has 149 receiving yards this postseason. So he's racking up about 50 per game. He's gone over 29.5 in two out of the three postseason games. Kansas City, they're allowing tight ends 59.5 receiving yards per game. And, look, I know everybody wants to bet Gronk. I do, too, but the production really just hasn't been there. It seems like you just keep asking, when is that old-school connection with Brady and Gronk going to happen? But we really just haven't seen it. He had the one catch for 30 yards against Green Bay. He's also a guy that I just don't know if I can trust in terms of betting his props. Now, Brady has also been targeted 16 times this postseason compared to Gronk seven. So, once again, same kind of philosophy. They're so spread out with their weapons that this could open up more opportunities for a guy like Cameron Brady. So, I think he's more than capable of going over 29.5 receiving yards. Danny Burks with us prior to Chicago. Burks Best Bets, uh, Rush Hour, his show on the VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, let's get into the, the spread and the over-under here. 
Uh, is this a, a given where, yeah, you take the overs? Is this a given where you lay the three, three and a half? How are you feeling about that with about a minute and a half to go? I mean, to be completely honest, even more so with the total, I don't know if anything's a given there because, you know, the, the public in general is always going to want to bet the overs. But you have to remember, this one opened at about 57 and a half, and now you're seeing it drop as low as 56, which means the sharper money is hitting the under. Uh, and at first, at least, the sharper money has been on Tampa Bay catching that three and a half. Now we've seen it pretty stable at three. Pretty much, I think it was two weeks ago on Monday, like right after the championship weekend, I laid the three with Kansas City because I didn't want to deal with it if it was going to bounce back. Back and forth. I'm actually waiting to hope and see if the money line is going to move down to about minus 155 or under minus 160 ish because I'd pull the trigger on that again. You and I kind of talked about this last week. In my opinion, Brady has to damn near play a perfect game. You can't afford to throw three picks like you did against Aaron Rodgers. The Chiefs are going to capitalize on those mistakes. And really, I mean, at the end of the day, I just I haven't seen a full four quarter performance from Brady. I like Patrick Mahomes in this offense. I like the experience they have from last year. Not that the Bucks and Brady don't have it, but I, I like that raw emotion that you saw from Patrick Mahomes after that final touchdown against the Bills. This team is ready to go. The COVID thing with the barber was kind of a scary thing to see, but I still like the Chiefs here in this game outright. You know, I think uh, Sue and Levante, I think Sue could have a big ball game. I know he's up there in age, but, man, his attentions helped those edge rushers get in, and I know there's a lot of dinged-up folks for Kansas City. They've they've worked through it, but uh, I'm just wondering how Tampa will respond based on the first time they got lit up by that Chiefs offense. Can't wait for it, and uh, find and follow Dan. Danny Burke on Twitter at Danny Burke 5 and check his show out Rush Hour iHeartMedia the Vizen Sports Network Danny be good have a great weekend and we'll talk soon man sounds good Schmitty enjoy the big game getting ready for the Super Bowl good stuff from Danny Burke we'll wind down a Thursday on Hale Varsity miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Get the podcast if you just caught part of the show. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, of course, the uh, HerdAdMedia.com platform. And all of the interviews you want to hear, ESPNLincoln.com, on demand. We had a loaded show today, man. Brandon Vogel was great. We talked about coaches and criticism and some uh, reaction to Scott Frost's presser today and some of the comments from Bill Moose. Gary Barnett was with us to talk some Super Bowl. Grant Wistrom was just a pleasure. And I now know that he breaks the Super Bowl out to go high roller in Las Vegas. That was great. And Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets, got you your Super Bowl props. Tomorrow, Chief and Patriot Eric Warfield going to be on the show. Uh, longtime coach Ron Brown with us tomorrow. And uh, we will run down the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman on the show reminder about buckling up nearly 70 percent of people in fatal crashes in nebraska are not wearing a safety belt uh, if used properly a seat belt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60 percent your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the nebraska department of highway safety office damon barr what is the uh, the date night like tonight you know i've been trying to figure that out all day what i'm 
throwing in uh, the the gullet tonight. I'm thinking just uh, good old chicken nuggets and uh, tater tots in the air fryer. It's a college staple these days, and it's about all I've got left in the in the freezer. So we'll go with that. Okay, so you're going nuggets. Are you honey? Are you barbecue? Are you ranch? Or all of the above? I really love the honey ones. The honey ones are definitely the go-to there. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, well done. Well done. So you're doing nuggets. Are you a... Are you picky about your nuggets? My kid's super picky about what he throws in the air fryer. No, I will eat. I've I've gone through every every store I go to. I get a different bag. See, you just what, get see like what a works. giant frozen just bag, just a huge bulk bag. Just throw. I don't even count how many in there, and it's good enough for me. Well played, sir. Well played. Basketball tonight locally. Uh, Coach Jeff Smith is going to join me. We are going to see Damon Bars, Pius the Tenth, Thunderbolts, number five in the land, thirteen and one. I think they've beaten everybody they've played the last several outings since our Scut game by like forty. So Pius and Coach Spitchka are rolling. They head to Lincoln East, and uh, tell you what, Carter Glenn and company. Uh, that'll be a good ball game tonight. So we'll have that around seven thirty over on KFOR. If you're uh, local, can listen to that, kfornow.com. We'll have Northeast tomorrow night against North Star. And we'll also have that over on KFOR. Willie J has got some hoops for you tonight here locally on ESPN Lincoln. And a reminder, when it comes to high school coverage with your friends on Newstalk 900, uh, Gus and company, David Gustafson do an amazing job. And, of course, Doug Duda, phenomenal. Uh, with uh, ESPN 1460-1550, our affiliate out, Carney Hastings, Grand Island. So, get all in with uh, your high school coverage wherever you want to listen tonight. We'll be back in it for some Super Bowl thoughts tomorrow. Big thanks to Grant Wistrom, Danny Burke, Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel, Coach Ron Brown tomorrow, Eric Warfield tomorrow. We'll talk to you again at 4. See you.